This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Again, fellow basement dwellers, and Merry Christmas! As it is Christmas Day, holiday edition of Bandwagon Nerds coming your way today on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com. Always use your head. And of course, last week I had promised all of you at the end of our previous edition of Bandwagon Nerds, that we would be bringing back the project. A project. It's the holiday project. This is the holiday project part two. And we are currently joined by PC Tunney and David Ongar, soon to be joined by our good friend over at the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, DJ, when uh, when his computer fixes itself, as it is apparently not in the holiday spirit. Uh, But we are bringing back the holiday project, and we're doing it a little bit differently than what we did the first time through because I had to go back into the Wayback Machine and listen to what we did. And what we did in the previous iteration was listen, uh, we, we listed our like top holiday specials. And so it could kind of be anything. Uh, it wasn't limited to movies like we are going to do now. And if you all recall, like three weeks ago, when we first talked about bringing the holiday project back. There was this big debate of, oh, I thought we already did movies. Well, that's because PC Tony picked nine movies for his holiday project. And Dave picked more movies than I think special. Like I had like Rankin and Bass cartoons. I had Charlie Brown Christmas. I had 
So TV, uh, and it was just the three of us, I think, for I that one. We did not have it for blame, TJ. Yeah. I blame upper management for a lack of precisivity I mean, that, that on the like list. Maybe problem. could have been a, more of a special list than a movie list. God damn it, well, Greg. You know, damn it, time, Greg, we told you. This, we'll see. So here's the thing. In, in our defense, we were just young podcasters finding our way in this crazy mixed-up world of podcasting. We were, we were in our early 40s at that time, Tony, as opposed to our mid-40s. And Dave was in his early 50s instead of his mid-50s. We didn't know what was going on. We were young and naive. We thought this podcast would be done after like 20 episodes. And then suddenly here we are doing, doing holiday specials on Christmas Day because we don't want to let you down, Novusner. That's right. We don't. But, you know, I, I just I, I feel like we've grown since then. At least I've grown. I've grown. I've matured. The only streak what? longer than PC Tunney's appearance Sir. streak is our... Sir! Sir! Sir, I'm incensed and insulted. Are you frankincensed? Oh, ba-doop. Burn. I even dressed up for the occasion, you guys. Like, I even wore a holiday. Like, I came in my best holiday nerd tee. I've got Jawas dressed for the holiday season in snow with one in particular wearing his best Santa Claus outfit. Tony also dressed in his best holiday attire. He has Ralphie in the pink bunny suit. I'm willing to bet we hear from Ralphie at some point during this podcast. I can't imagine that we wouldn't. Um, and who knows when DJ gets on the call, whenever his computer hopefully stops eating itself, we're going to have a great time hearing about how, you know, his holidays were impacted too. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be very, very fun. It's going to be very, very exciting. Our list will probably not be without some controversy. I already know that mine's going to be some controversy. So, um, and, and uh, oddly enough, as I've stalled for time, I see a name, don't see a face yet. We see clouds. Working on that. Can you hear me? DJ, we can hear you. We can hear you. Are you up at the North Pole with the big guy himself? Or are you secretly the big guy with that beard? Are you really, are you really Santa, DJ? Um, Holiday Kind of feeling like Satan Claus today, if we're being honest. Oh, gee, a little angry. He's an angry elf. Yeah, I'm talk about that movie too. Oh, that's okay, big guy. We're going to be here. Yeah, I can't find my camera or anything. Skype's not reading it. I'm irritated with this computer today. Hey, okay. I love that sketch, by the way. It's like one of my all-time favorite Mad TV sketches of all time. Okay, so let's um let's go over this real quick. I mean, DJ, I know you're in you're in a bad place. Um, we just got the show rolling. Uh, with you with you not being able to read the camera, we will help you with the lone visual. That will have to take place for that show, as we always, as tradition will dictate when we get started with this. I, I do a randomizer to determine who will go first, second, third, last. And we, we do this um, rotisserie draft style. If you're a fantasy football leaguer, you know that a rotisserie draft means that you go one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one through our selections. But anyway, Holiday Project, we're going to be doing holiday movies, our top 10 holiday movies today. Before we get into rules and lists, gentlemen, what is important to you for something to be a good holiday film? Why? What is this, Tony? 
I'm trying to help DJ out while you're talking, not bringing this up. You don't have to look at yeah, me. I have to because there's there's screens in front of me. All of a sudden, my screen went wonky because you're trying to help our yeah, good friend. Here, DJ let me out. log off and try again, Tony. It, oh, they, they see there. It's like a screen within a screen. I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm frightened. Um, it's like I see anyway. three of them hit the one in the middle. Exactly right. Um, anyway, now that I'm all discombobulated, back to the question at large. When DJ comes back, we'll be fine. Tell us. We'll start. We'll just start with Dave. Dave, to you, what makes a good holiday movie? What does it have to have? Where Where's it got to hit? Wow, I don't know. Uh, it's just it's one of those things that it's it's more of a feeling. Than Is it because you like the menorah? Is that why no. you can't you can't do it? Oh, I I, lo- I love I love the Christmas movies. I I think most of them. David Ungar lights the menorah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Be. But uh, you know, most of these are they're movies that resonate with me just because I grew up with them, or they have you know they're most of them are very funny. Um, some of them are action packed. I'm looking for things with the, you know, the holiday theme. We'll get into the controversy about some of the decisions. Is this really a Christmas movie? Who cares? Christmas is a part of it, so that makes it a Christmas movie in some respect. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Some of them are, you know, do do they appeal to the spirit of the holidays? Uh, how do they, how do they make me feel about certain things? You know, is is being a member of the jelly of the month club for a year, really a bad thing, you know, th- stuff like that. So I, you know, I love how you're doing everything in your power to out every single movie on your list before got we actually rid of at least five of It's very nice. There. Got rid of five. Of I, them. I was like, you really, you really went through like quite a bit there. Tony, for you, what makes a good holiday film? I think, uh, it definitely, you have to have it set around Christmas or, or the holidays, right. In that time period, <clears throat> something post Thanksgiving, you know, between there and New Year's Eve, I think the the feel of it, right? It's either like this family cozy kind of thing, and it reminds you of you know um, the longer nights of winter with the fireplace and and having hot drinks and things like that, or you kind of have like um, more of a comedic thing um, in, in a few other movies, and that can be both uh, for families and you do have some comedic adult holiday movies as well. So definitely something involving that time of the year and you know it's just they've they've used a lot of different genres to put a holiday movie out from horror to to family right and everything in between very true very true i um i sat and thought about this and dave, and dave already hinted at it because we've we've had the great the, the great debate in various times we did it as a poll uh with a certain action flick that it sounds like it's going to be on at least one list uh if you listen to dave's monologue um but one of the things that I always I always try to look at when I look at a holiday film is if Christmas was not a part of the movie, would the movie still be what it is? And in most of the movies on my list, the answer is no. There is one exception, and that is my number 10, where you could still logically make the movie that, that is that is my the last movie on my list. It just so happens to occur during Christmas, but could happen outside of Christmas, and it would be just fine as it as it is all right um with that being said i also very much value i'm a softy at heart so the sentimentality of it all is a big big piece of what has to be there for for me uh whether that be films that i watched with my mom and my mom was a big part of this like my my mom 
really heavily influenced a lot of films that that entertained me uh, that had to do with Christmas season or just stuff that make me think back to my childhood and and my family and life growing up. So uh, a lot of a lot of things that are like I needed to empathize with, with or, or feel what the characters are experiencing. So, Dave, knowing that, how many Hallmark holiday films are, are on your list? Because I know that you love those uh, stories of the big city career driven woman falling in love with the rugged reindeer farmer back in his in her home her hometown former prom king yeah, that, that would be that would be a big zero i'm sorry all of them that's that's what i'm hearing there all yeah, of every them. single Tony, one all top 10 Tony probably has holiday in handcuffs it's like his number one right there melissa joan hart kidnapping mario lopez as a fake christmas date and of course they're gonna fall in love see you tomorrow on the hallmark channel i, eh? I eh? have no hallmark uh there is the the, the uh drive time radio show on my way home they play a fun game for uh a prize during the holiday season uh real or fake ho- uh hallmark movie titles you have to guess <laughs> the thing that's great about those is that like literally like the same actress is in like every one of them and they, they just sort of shift the title around it's good stuff and clearly they're cheap to make and make a ton of money so okay we're well, enough preambling we're going to take our first commercial break when we come back we will jump into our holiday project. Hopefully DJ's technical difficulties will have resolved themselves. If not, we'll get him uh, dialed in whenever we can get him dialed in. So stay tuned with us. We come back. At least three nerds are going to tell you the best and brightest holiday films out there. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds, our holiday special, holiday project part two. The nerds are going to give you their top 10 holiday films of all time before we get to the big moment where we determine the order of this little listicle episode. Who goes first? Let's go over the rules. We talked about this. First, it's rotisserie style. So that means that whoever gets the first pick or gets the first announced film, they will get um, they will go one, two, three, four. Then the person who picks fourth will go and announce their number two or their number nine film uh, and so on and so forth. So it's always a book in one through four, four to one, one through four, four to one. We start with our 10th, work our way to the top. Anybody who has a film on their list higher than when it is initially announced will raise their hand to the group 
We will stop immediately before we go any further, and we will do everything in our power to hit that film when it reaches its highest point, its zenith, if you will, on all nerds lists, and everybody will have an opportunity to talk about the film moving forward. Uh, Last but not least, we may have disagreements. We may think that a film is not a Christmas film. That's okay. We don't care because there are lists. That's right. They're our lists. So if I want to say that Ernest Scared Stupid is my favorite Christmas movie and it's on my list, well, guess what? Ernest Scared Stupid is on my list and you got to deal with it. That's stupid. And yet it's on my list. So fuck off. All right. Let's determine an order. DJ still hasn't resolved his issue. I feel like at some point we may be saying goodbye to DJ and it'll just be the three of us. We'll see what happens. If he gets on, great. If he doesn't, we tried. Uh, But I'm going to share my screen with you guys so that you can see what we've done. Uh, I got to find... Where the hell is that option? Not seeing that option. Because I'm an old man and don't understand... We could always just take your word for it. You could, but that is not what we do. Yeah, fine. Fuck it. All right. So the way I've got you listed down with numbers, one numbers listed, one, two, three, four. I have Tony next to number one, Dave next to number two, DJ next to number three, myself at number four. I'm going to hit the randomized sequence and we find the result to be, of course, the guy who is not here was listed as number one, DJ. So it will be Dave. Patrick O'Dowd and Tony. And if DJ gets in, we will insert him. DJ was listed as first. So I'm going to put that in my notes app so that I have it. DJ slash Dave slash this is compelling podcasting slash Patrick slash Tony, which I don't mind going last in these lists because you get to go two in a row and that's always kind of fun. So for now, Dave, you get to go two in a row, and you're going to kick us off with your number 10 holiday film of all time, Dazzle Us. I don't know how dazzling it's going to be, but uh, my my first two are kind of the controversial ones because like your criteria, if you remove Christmas from it, is it still a good movie? This is one of them, the ones I'd say yes, uh, but Gremlins is my number 10. Oh, no way. It's my number 10 as well. There you go. (laughs) Look at that. I totally agree with you. Tony, was it on your list? Did it make your list? I doubt it. No. Because your your list was already nine movies strong before we even started this project. Yeah. I I mean, I I love Gremlins, the movie. It's, it's, uh, you know, Phoebe Cates in one of her rare appearances is is phenomenal in this whole thing. And just... uh, the early Spielberg stuff, the yeah, the special effects don't hold up so much. But I keep, you know, like I, I mean, I Gremlins is a joke. Like it was like out at dinner last night. My wife's ordering stuff, and because she has this gluten intolerance, you get all these instructions. I'm like, yeah, she's like a gremlin, man. She comes with instructions and that sort of thing. So, um, I, I love the movie. It's 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 tremendous. Yeah, does it need Christmas? Uh, probably more so than the other movie that's on my list that, that I'm going to talk about because Christmas does, you know, he's finding a, the Mogwai becomes a, a, what it's, he's a Christmas gift for his son. I mean, so yeah, the Gizmo is literally a Christmas gift to Billy in the film. And and like, like it's heavily, like it's the backdrop for this movie. Absolutely. This movie, like Gizmo could have been a birthday gift. Right. Like he could have been like like any sort of number of ways that you introduce the creature with the rules. But yeah, it's 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 still like it takes place during Christmas. I literally watched this 
the morning that we are recording this this podcast. Like I watched it before we recorded today, which was just outstanding timing. And I'm sitting there watching. I was like, my wife, the Mrs. O'Dowd, like yells from downstairs. I don't understand why you watch this at Christmas. It's not a Christmas movie. Like he's a Christmas present. It's like it's not about Christmas, but it's a Christmas present. He's a Christmas present. He like one of the gremlins hides in a Christmas tree. We're playing. Do you hear what I hear? We're playing all this music. Like it's it's just it's great stuff. And yeah, the the thing that I've always loved about Gremlins in this both iterations because like I think the sequel is maligned unfairly. Like I think it is a better film than it gets credit for. Uh, but even between the two, you know, people really noticed a lot of the personalities that were created by the Gremlins in the sequel. But if you watch and just really watch the first Gremlins film, the amount of like just personalities and character and just how adorable and beautiful the different personalities and personas that exist out there um, are. You find new ones every time, like just every time you watch it. And it's great, great stuff. So yeah, Kremlin's my number 10 uh, off to a great start. And we'll turn it over to Mr. PC Tunney to give us his number 10 holiday film. Uh, My number 10 is Batman returns. Yeah. Batman Returns. It's a good movie. It's set during Christmas. It's basically a Very holiday so. romance smuggled into a Batman movie. There's tons of themed sets for Christmas. There's Christmas trees everywhere. And I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's a part of that movie where the penguin is like sliding down like these icy canals with all the candy canes zipping by his head. So I enjoyed Michael Keaton's Batman. And that's one. Uh, that's my break the rules kind of uh, movie in the top 10. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that fits under the the same umbrella as what we're talking about here, where like you can make that movie without the backdrop of Christmas. But I mean that without without the Christmas theming, you don't get mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. And a kiss can be twice as deadly if you mean it. Big moments. Big moments. So I, I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that. And that, that brings us to your number uh, 10 or number nine. My number nine is more of a comedy, and it's a little darker, and it's uh, for adults. It's Bad Santa. Nobody? Not on my list. Oh, I, I laughed my balls off the first time I watched that movie. I did not expect some of the comedy, the dark, raunchy comedy that you get from Billy Bob Thornton and, and, and his elves. But uh, it's highly entertaining uh, if, you, if you're a fan of a uh, little bit darker comedy where Billy Bob plays a disgusting older Santa Claus uh who is uh, just a kind of a filthy, horrible man. Did you ever watch the sequel? Probably. Oh, I, I never did. I just, I, and honestly, just very curious. Lauren Graham um, repeatedly yelling, fuck me, Santa has been burned into my brain for forever. Like, it's just, I, I, I'm sitting there watching. I was like, I'm watching wrong things right now. Like this is wrong. <laughs> I am watching wrong things. Like it's, it's entertaining, but it like so wrong. So, so wrong. But well, it's uh, not good Santa. It's bad Santa. It is. And he is definitely a bad Santa. We are going to skip my number nine because this is the most controversial take on my list. But it's number nine on my list. And that's uh, a Christmas story. So, Dave, just go ahead and move on to uh, no shit. We talked about this uh, a couple previous episodes. I know where a Christmas story ranks for others. He's going to be really incensed later when we get to uh, a movie further up on my list because I placed it above his beloved, a Christmas story. 
Uh, but Dave, it's your turn with your number nine. I was going to, I mean, normally you ask how we came up with our list and that sort of thing. And I, and I was going to say, I know like Pat, you've got some of the older classics on your list and I know you find, you really enjoy those. And I have four yeah, that are on here. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I like them fine, but they're not good enough to make my list. And that's that, that's cool. But my number nine is Die Hard, And, um, I know, you know, I'm not sure if I buy into the whole notion, this is a, a Christmas movie per se without the Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza, much of it doesn't happen. But if I didn't put this on the list, my wife would have got really pissed off at me because I was, she was like, well, what's on your list is die hard on your list. And I'm like, uh, okay, yes it is. And, and, but I put it now as a movie standing on its own, I would put die hard ahead of probably half of the movies that we're going to talk about later on. But as a Christmas movie, as a holiday movie, I'm going to put it at number nine on here. Uh, you know, the debate rage, the fact that there is such a debate about whether it's a Christmas movie kind of makes it into a Christmas movie, in my opinion, because there's so much talk about that topic. Right. I think at this point, honestly, at this point, I think that the debate raging is is as much just an exercise in in attention as it is anything else. Like, you know, if you watch it, Terry, the Christmas, I don't. Like, I don't think this is a Christmas movie. I, I'm on that side of thing. Like you just said, it absolutely is a movie. Like, again, you can have an office party at any time and it would make sense. It could have been PC Tunney's retirement party where Nakatomi Plaza gets taken over or something like that. And so, like, it's the same concept of, as Gremlins, but the backdrop of Christmas is there. And so I get why people argue that it's a Christmas movie, but you don't need Christmas for the movie to happen. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at, you know, not a, not a surprising take at all. Uh, and honestly, I'm surprised it's as low as it is on your list, but I, I respect where you put it. It's just, I tell you any thoughts on Die Hard? It's a great movie. Can I tell you I've only watched it like once or twice? I probably only watched it once or twice. I mean, I think I've flipped to it, flipping through the channels a whole shit ton of times in different parts. We've all seen, you know, probably the end or the most and, but it's iconic. I mean, you can classify it however you want. It's just a great movie, period. Now I have a machine gun, too. Stuff like that. Uh, Dave, you get to keep the train rolling, though. Go Give us your number eight. So my number eight appeared on uh, when we did the holiday project before, and it is uh, The Family Man, the movie with Nicolas Cage starring in this thing where he gets a uh, the magnificent Don Cheadle's in this movie as well. Uh, it's a movie where Nicolas Cage gets a glimpse of what his life would have been like had he take made a different choice. And he is very reluctant. I mean, he's got his full memory of who he was before that, and he's very reluctant to embrace his family thing. And then, you know, he falls in love with this glimpse that he got just in time for it to be taken away from him. And then he tries to kind of fix it so he can have that life that he fell in love with. So, um, you know, Nicolas Cage, of course, we talk about him a lot lately. Uh, this is one of, uh, you know one of my favorite roles by him. It is one of his better. He does a lot of good acting jobs, but he was absolutely phenomenal. in this is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. So yeah, number eight for me. Great movie. One of my favorite Nick Cage movies, to be honest with you, the writing, the, that dynamic of him being the person he is and the person he could be in, and that totally opposite ends of the spectrum. It's really, really a heart touching movie. The daughter his little girl is excellent. Whoever that little girl actress was, was, was phenomenal. Yeah. She thinks like, he's, a, are you, are you, he's an alien. Yeah. yeah are you an alien? an alien? And he kind of is like, you know, he kind of leans into that a little bit at the end. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, and then like his, where he tracks her down in the airport and kind of tells her specifics about what he sees. And you're like, 
is she going to like, you know, get out of line and hang out with him? And she does. And it's, it's a great, there's Santa Minner. Nice. <laughs> Daryl Claus. Hey, he made it. All right. And we're at number, we only got eight. to, we're to number eight. eight. So yeah. So just to, just to go over the rules for you, since you missed it, we finally, everyone welcome in our good friend, DJ of the mindless wrestling podcast coming in to join us for the holiday project. Uh, technical difficulties appear to be an overcome. I see a, a, a man on the screen with a flowing white beard and a less than jolly disposition, but we're there. Um, so DJ, I don't know that you've ever done a listicle show on the bandwagon. This is your first project. So welcome. This is my first time around with you guys. Thank you. Right. And the way this works is we, I, I mentioned this before we took our first commercial break. So I randomly generate uh, the, the order and we treat it like a fantasy football draft or a fantasy sports draft where we give our announcements, our picks, rotisserie style. So whoever goes first will give their number 10. We go down the list and then the person who goes last gives their number nine and we work backwards, so on and so forth. So in this case, you actually were picked to go number one. So it goes DJ, Dave, myself, and then Tony. And so after we would go through our number 10s, Tony would give his number 10 and then Tony would give his number nine and we'd work the list backwards. So, so far, We've done our our eight, nine, and ten. Uh, the other big rule to note is that anytime you give an announcement before you talk about your selection, you need to make sure you pay attention because if anybody else raises their hand, that means they have that uh, film elsewhere on their list higher up, and we wait until we get to the movie's highest point on any one person's list. So, for example, my number nine was a Christmas story which Dave is disgusted by, but it, yeah, it was higher on your list. So we'll wait until it gets there. Uh, the other rule that we make very clear to everyone is that these are our lists. So there's no wrong answers here. Everybody get the fuck over it. Um, with all of that being said, before I give my number eight, why don't you tell everybody what your number 10, number nine, and then you will, we'll get into your number eight were. So what was your number 10? Uh, number 10 was a miser brothers Christmas. A Miser Brothers Christmas. Okay. Yes. Tell us about that because I have no idea what that is. Um, it's kind of in the, remember the old Rankin and Bass ones from the 70s oh, yes. and 80s that we used to watch? It's in the same type of vein. It's like a claymation type of thing. And it was, it's more sentimental because my kids absolutely loved it. And I loved okay. watching that with them. And I, this is kind of a, I guess, a sequel. There was one where they were in back in like 1974, the name escapes me at the time or at oh, the moment, okay, I but <clears throat> moving forward, I think it was 2008. This one came out 2008, 2009. My kids absolutely yeah. loved it. So there's a, a great deal of joy from that, watching that with them. Very cool. Very good. I actually, yeah, I'm see, I'm looking at it on IMDb right now. Um, I think the coolest thing is that they were still able, like Mickey Rooney was still with us to do yes. Santa Claus and George S. Irving was still with us to do Heat Miser, a couple of the OG voices from those Rankin and Bass specials. A few yes. other folks have passed away since then, but that's, that's terrific. So, all right, man, that's a good, that's a good strong start. What was your number nine? Number nine was the Santa Claus. Not on anybody's list. So you get to talk to us again about the Tim Allen classic. Uh, it was just a fun time in life. I, you know, just I went with a group of friends. We had a good time with it. I was, you know, 
politics and everything with him aside, I was a big fan of his comedy. I was a big fan of the uh, the Home Improvement show. So obviously, being a fan of his at the time, it drew me to the theater to see him, and it was just a just a fun fun Christmas movie. Excellent, excellent show. I actually I love the Santa Claus. I think it's very very cute. It just it didn't didn't quite hit my list. Uh, a lot of these other ones that I'm talking about here just sort of hit me in the feels in a different way or hit me a little bit harder. So uh, that's how I did not end up in my number. To, uh, to be in fair, I could have almost filled this entire list with the Rankin and Bass classics. Um, and I tried not to sure. do that. I also tried not to be nerdy and say Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and all that other shit. Well, don't, don't worry. Dave already said Die Hard. So <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, should we tell and, him what our tens and nines were? So that, yeah, case? like my number 10, my number 10 was Gremlins. Mine was Gremlins as, as well. Was number 10, yeah. My number 10 was Batman Returns. Okay. Yeah. So, all fair. So movies that could have happened without Christmas in the backdrop, but Christmas was part of the movies. And see, uh, I'm steering nine, away I, from that because I had those movies on my right. My initial list had Die Hard on it, and I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. It's not against the rules. I mean, it's not like you put Rebel Moon on there. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. We have yet to establish that while it is being released around Christmas time, we have yet to establish whether or not it is a Christmas movie. I'm going to say it's 20. I'm 27% sure that it's not. Um <laughs> Die Hard was my number nine. And then your number nine, Dave, did you say your number nine? My, my number nine was Die Hard. Oh, your number nine was Die Hard. And then we were about to, you did your number eight. Did I did you my number, number eight. eight? Well, Tony, what was your number nine? Bad Santa. Right. Bad Santa. Pat, what was your and number And so nine? DJ, we're actually, you were actually supposed to do your number eight first in this round. So go ahead and announce everybody what your number eight was. And then we'll get back on, get back on yeah. track with orders. My number eight was A Nightmare Before Christmas. Higher on at least one list. So that moves over to me. I'm willing to bet my number eight is not on anybody's list because this is one of my newer, more recent additions to my holiday watch list. And so for anybody who knows what my number eight, you know, uh, Tony's trying to pass smoke signals my way and I'm not reading them. <laughs> so I um, every year I literally have a word document of all of the holiday films that I watch leading up till Christmas. And I start on Christmas uh, or on the day after Thanksgiving and I go right through Christmas day. And the first movie I watch on that list and the last movie that I watch on that list are both further on my list of films, but this one, and it's, it has made its way on in recent years. It's a Netflix original animated film that I've talked to all of you about um, that is, um, has uh, JK Simmons, Rashida Jones, Jason Schwartzman, and the late Norm MacDonald. It is an animated film titled Claws, that uh, spelled with a K. And it is a story of a selfish postmaster who is sent by his father to this town that is divided directly in half by two warring families that cannot get along. And he is tasked with finding a way to deliver 1,000 letters in this town in order to go back to his comfortable, rich life. While he's there, he meets a reclusive woodcutter who makes toys up in the mountain. And the postman devises a way to encourage children to write letters to this guy to have presents delivered. And throughout this film, it tells it is a telling of how Santa Claus became Santa Claus. It is a wonderful movie. The animation is top-notch. It has a terrific cast. Joan Cusack 
kind of steals the show as one of the heads of the warring families uh, in just the way that she did. Like, there's at one point where she's just so frustrated with the other family and she's like, how have we not beaten? And it's it's hilarious. It's very, very good. And I mean, anything with J.K. Simmons and Jason Schwartzman and Norm MacDonald, you just can't go wrong. I love it. I watch it every year. My kid loves it. We watch it together. It's one of two relatively recent films on my list and is my number eight. With that, I'm sure none of you have even watched that movie. You should, uh, but we will move over to PC Tony and his number eight to keep us moving right along. Uh, my number eight is um, Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn and uh, Reese Witherspoon, who is a like a young, hot to trot, um, not yet married couple, but together. And for the holidays, they had some exotic trip planned. And when their plans fall through and their families find out about it, they're expected to be at four different Christmases in one day and definitely gives you that dynamic of dealing with all the different fun personalities and uh, personality types you can get inside the family dynamic. So it's really, really just a fun kind of um, for, for people who have to go to multiple family outings, you, you really get this uh, this comedy Um it hits home for you. So yeah, very fun. John Favreau's in there, Kristen Chenoweth, John Voight, um, some other pretty good, Robert Duvall. So it's a really good cast. Actually. Yeah. It's a fun movie. I've watched it before and um, I could totally see why people would empathize with that. Cause there is this, this element of like going to your relatives that some folks kind of dread. And in this case, four sets of relatives, that's, that's quite a lot. So that's a, that's a great pick. Um, which brings us over to your number seven. My number seven is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Excellent choice. Just watched that the other day. I, the Christmas Carol story has been done a million different ways. And I wanted to give a shout out to the Muppets because we are big fans of them, um, on this show. And, you know, much like when dad, what's a Muppet when Homer was asked, he goes, well, it's not quite a sock and it's not quite a, a puppet and to answer your question i don't know <laughs> it's it's great great stuff it's so brilliant and it keeps that humor it was one of the first films it wasn't the first film that was released after jim hinton's death i don't believe i think that was muppet, Tre- muppet treasure island but it was shortly thereafter that that um that that movie was made and it's it's such a great film because you know you got gonzo doing the narration uh, with Rizzo and explaining things like what it means to be omniscient, you know, light the lamp, not the rat, light the lamp, not the rat. Uh, just, just some great, great stuff and, and full of some terrific Muppet humor. Uh, guys, any, any additional thoughts on a Muppet Christmas Carol? I haven't seen it recently, so I can't I'm like, Hmm, I don't have anything. It's on my, it's on my list, man. It's on the playlist. Like, I gotta watch it. Oh, on your on the on your seasonal playlist, yeah. I guess yeah. On my monster seasonal yeah. playlist, yeah. DJ, what about you? Any any love for the Muppets? Uh, absolutely love the Muppets. Uh, I have to call myself out. I have not seen that movie in decades. Um, it's in the queue to watch this week, but it's it's been forever since I've seen it. If you have Disney Plus, watch it on Disney Plus. Go down into extras and watch the extended version with the song that was cut, uh, which is the song sung by Scrooge's. Uh, Lady Love as she leaves him. It's a very pretty song. It's a beautiful song. And it was a shame that it got cut out of the theatrical release. My number seven is one of my four 
movies made before 1955 that are on this list. The original Miracle on 34th Street starring Maureen O'Hara, Natalie Wood. It's a, it's a sentimental movie. It's a schmaltzy movie. It's a shameless plug for Macy's, the department store. And yet I love it. I love it to death. I, I lo- like I love holiday movies that are that are a little bit corny and just beg you to believe in something a little ridiculous. And this, you know, department store, this Santa who, you know, is a guy who's been committed to an insane asylum because he believes himself to be Santa Claus, finds his way as part of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and, and works his way into the hearts of everyone, gets me every time, and I will have no part of the remake, although I know plenty of people enjoy the 1994 uh, remake with Mr. Attenborough. For me, it will always be Maureen O'Hara demanding that people be logical in an illogical situation. Miracle on 34th Street, my number seven. See, like, it's not on my list. Isn't that a Thanksgiving movie? No. It starts at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and then goes through the month of December as we try to determine Santa Claus and whether or not Santa Claus... Stop it. Just get the fuck out of here (laughs) with that noise. Like, just get the take your fucking Batman Returns and sit your ass down. Wow! Oh, he wow. turned that around. He, the beginning. And I thought I was in the mood. It's, it's your list. It's your list. <laughs> you 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 sat there and tried to call Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street a fucking Thanksgiving. I, I was fucking with you. I, I and gonna, I fucked right back. You found s- out. That's what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, Although these movies didn't make my list, and I know they were on yours, Pat. This is one of these movies that just—I mean, it is—it is quintessential Christmas movie. You know, the the miracle of the uh, the unbelievable. You know, and everybody like, oh yeah, bullshit. You know, you're not the real Santa, and it turns out, huh? Surprise, surprise on you. So yeah, it's one of those typical feel good. This is the spirit of Christmas embodied on film sort of movies. Not Thanksgiving, Tony. Christmas. Just all right, Dave. You're number seven, my friend. Uh, my number seven is A Nightmare Before Christmas. So, um, yeah, I, I know, DJ, you had it at eight. You know, I mean, one of the great Disney crossover films. I mean, and I, I know and it's, of course, important to me because, like, Disneyland does this big overlay every year at the Haunted Mansion where they turn the Haunted Mansion into The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Jack Skellington's a big part of that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just what can possibly go wrong when somebody who is a a figurehead of Halloween decides, hey, I want to get involved in all this Christmas stuff and become Sandy Claus and the Ghost Dog Zero and everything that goes along with that. Uh, it, it is one of the most unique takes on any sort of Christmas movie I can ever think of. And I just absolutely love the film. And just even in this unorthodox way where you're like this, sh- when two, like they say in the the narrator, Pat, at the Haunted Mansion says, when two holidays collide, things might go might go wrong and uh you get to see it happen on film in this movie but it is it is equal parts halloween and and, and christmas and you know those are two of my favorite holidays merged in one so yeah that's number seven for me very cool dj do you want to comment on on your shared number seven before you give us your number six oh actually i gotta give you my number seven because that was my number eight um it's true give you your number seven yeah yeah yeah, talk about uh yeah, I was just going to say, I have such a respect for that type of filmmaking. The stop motion, you know, animation, uh, Coraline is one of my absolute favorites. 
And, you know, just following that with Nightmare Before Christmas, just I have such a love for that because there's so much detail and effort that goes into it that I just respect it. So my seven, again, Rankin and Bass makes the list again, the night before Christmas, not to be compared with the nightmare before Christmas. I just like the telling of the story. As a kid, again, I have fond memories of watching that with my family. I haven't, that's probably, again, one I haven't seen in decades, but it's fun. Santa Claus is a fraudulent myth put upon by, I can't even remember the whole letter, and the reindeer are fake too. Yes. It, uh, as, a, as a mouse writes a letter to Santa Claus that offends him so much that he then sends everybody's letters back. Uh, that, that, um, that, what, that very random Rankin and Bass cartoon actually got parodied in, parodied in an episode of South Park. Uh, at one point like it's it's one of those i remember it very much watching it in the 80s as a kid growing up uh, as part of that christmas run so no no complaints there uh why don't you now move on to your number seven all right uh it should be my number six now right we're on six okay damn it i'm so lost all right number six and then we take a commercial break okay i'm an old man <laughs> this happens by the way if you welcome back to the patrick O'Dowd drinking game uh, when it comes to projects, because this is very much something that happens every time we do these shows is you like Patrick O'Dowd fucks up the order. Patrick O'Dowd forgets what number it is. And like if you're a listener and you're playing the Patrick O'Dowd drinking game, you're probably wasted at this point already on your holiday dog. So good job. <laughs> at least you remembered my name. Uh, number six, Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas. Again, another one I have fond memories of watching as a kid. Um, again, I, I can't even find it on streaming if it's on streaming at all. I don't know, but it's just, again, one of those things I remember as a kid being very, be just an enjoyable time with the family. I used to um, scour the TV guide to find out when it was playing on HBO because, and you, and again, Jim Henson strikes again, the yes. Muppets strike again. Um, uh, easily one of my all time favorite children's holiday specials films. I mean, it was, I, I just remember HBO, Kermit the Frog opened it, Kermit the Frog ended it, uh, and everything that happens in, in between. It's a retelling of the gift of the Magi. Uh, it's wonderful. It is actually available to stream on Amazon Prime, on Prime Video, and apparently on Peacock as well. So oh, I guess if you I know have what either I'm doing of tonight. those, get yourself some Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas Uh that that is a I fucking love that special. So excellent choice. Apparently we're on. Why are we laughing at me? Let's play, the, why we, the cock strikes again. You know that's just what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know Tony's thinking the I, same. Apparently thing. I know what I'm doing tonight, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're jumping on the cock, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this isn't a family show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I try so hard on this show. I try. I put so much effort in. Dave, get yourself together. Tell everybody your number six. Uh, my number six is one of the newer classics that we had, and it is Eight Bit Christmas. And I knew it was going to be higher. It is also. Time. It is also. No, no. It's actually my number six as is well. Is it? That's it's, twice. This is the second that. time we've matched up. So I, go, go first. Well, no. You go ahead. You go ahead and go. Yeah, Did you I, really just vomit? Yeah, you guys are so cute. Oh, they're a cute couple, aren't they? They're adorable. We, you'd almost think we've been doing this together for a few years. Um, so like eight bit Christmas, I think, you know, when we reviewed this on, it wasn't the nerd review. We just kind of like saw the previews and decided to watch it. And I, I started, 
I know it was an episode of Bandwagon Nerds where you were out, Pat, and I was telling Tony and Platt about it, and I was selling them on this thing and saying, man, there's so much intended nostalgia in this movie. It is basically a retelling of Christmas Story, but it's not. They use the concepts of Christmas Story, and they tell their own very unique, very different sort of tale. And Neil Patrick Harris is absolutely phenomenal in it. The kids are great. They... I remember talking about kind of the false finishes that they have in this movie where you think this is where he's going to get it. Oh, no, that's not it. This is where he's going to no, not it and, until the very end. And you're like, wow, he never gets it. And then you realize, well, he had to because it's sitting there and they're playing it. So um, it's it's such an excellent movie that it is really done so well that it immediately jumped up onto my list of my 10 favorite uh, holiday movies of all time. If you guys, DJ Tony, if you have not seen this movie, please do your. It's on Max for God's sake. Go watch. Yeah, it. watch it on Max. Go watch it. If you are a child, if you are a child of the '80s in particular, like if you grew up touching the '80s at all or early '90s, this movie will resonate with you. And this is why I have Eight Bit Christmas above a Christmas Story because the connection I have with everything that kid goes through for wanting a Nintendo. Uh, you know, they don't, they, they, they don't use the boy scouts, but it's still a scout thing when he's trying to sell wreaths to win a prize. Cause the prize is supposed to be a Nintendo. And it turns out to be the full, what is it? The full encyclopedia Britannica in a box. And he loses his shit over not getting it. The, I remember when there was the, there was the kid who had a Nintendo and you wanted to be friends with the kid who had the Nintendo because nobody like not everybody had one it was so exclusive and rare and expensive and when you finally got it like i remember when my parents finally got me a nintendo like it was a huge fucking deal and it was so great and and plus the movie takes place in chicago the kid is a bears fan like just everything Doesn't about he get harassed movie. by packers fans at one point or something or him and his dad he he yelled when his dad is driving on the freeway. He's yes. yelling about somebody who can't drive, and he's like, "It's a Packer fan." It's like, and, oh, it's a Packer fan. And Steve Zahn uh, was excellent in this movie yeah, as well. Steve yeah. Zahn plays the dad, and then yeah, and then the movie you know turns at the end and is about him and his dad, and that is so good. It's so great. I, it's so it's really watch it, watch it. It it is easy to fall in love with very very quickly. The, you know, Flatlanders telling us how to drive. Watch out for the hill, buddy. Um, I'll tell you this. <laughs> it's a Wisconsin-Illinois rivalry thing. Patrick gets it. Uh, I This is a great movie. I love Neil Patrick Harris. And this story is like, I was, this is, what, Christmas 1986 or 7, my mom and um, stepdad got a call. I was for, so for Christmas Eve, I was always by my dad. My parents got divorced when I was very, very young. And then Christmas morning, my mom would pick me up and I'd spend the rest of the day with that side of the family. Christmas Eve at like, so Toys R Us was open till midnight back then during that time. Christmas Eve at like quarter to 11, they, they were on a list. They got a call. We got one for you. So that's the only reason I got it Christmas morning. So yeah, I totally relate to that. And uh, there is still a picture down um, at, at uh, in my mom's uh uh, at my mom's house in her living room of one of the collages of the picture frames with all different old pictures and stuff. One of them is me and my stepdad holding my Nintendo at Christmas. So, yeah. Nice. Last thing I was going to say is their portrayal of the problems with the power glove is so spot on. 
Oh, God. God. It's just amazing. <laughs> dude, Dave, the, there, there's so many 80s Easter moments. eggs. Dave's bitching about the power glove. <laughs> there's so many Sorry. 80s Easter egg moments in that thing. Like when they're going through the baseball cards and they find the Billy Ripken error oh, card. Nice. And I, I remember just yeah. like, fuck it, that's famous. Everybody looked for the fuck face rookie card. Like every, or the error card. Like everybody did. Yeah. DJ, was, do you know about the fuck face error card? I know about it. I may actually have it. I have a whole bunch of baseball cards that I've never even looked at. And if yeah, I don't have it, my dad may have it. It's so crazy. It's so good. Excellent choice uh, for our number sixes. And with that, we go to Tony before heading into a commercial break with his number six. Yeah, I feel like we might just be heading into that commercial break because I think this might be higher up on all of your lists. Um, but I have Christmas vacation at six. Yep. All right. So, yeah, with that, we're going to take a brief pause head into our second commercial break. We come back our top five holiday movies. You are listening to the holiday project on bandwagon nerds, a part of the chair shot radio network here on the chair Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade. You can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. head to angry to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Yes. Your team did what you wanted them to do. They lost? The Bears lost? They're down three with 32 seconds to go. Yes! 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 <laughs> yes! Fire everybody! Anyway, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds, the holiday project here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where Christmas has finally arrived as the Bears <laughs> are going to blow a game and hopefully fire their at least their offensive coordinator, for fuck's sake. Get that guy out of here. Um, you are listening. Uh, we're on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Make sure you head over to ProWrestlingTees.com. Forge slash the ChairShot. It is too late to buy a Christmas gift, but New Year's is right around the corner, and you want to look fly when you're ringing in 2024. What better way to do that than with a brand-new Bandwagon Nerd shirt? Remember, if you buy one, you will be thanked publicly on these internet airwaves. I bet you... There's some sort of promo code that you could put in too to get a cheaper shirt. There's a few more weeks left. A few more weeks left till Orthodox Christmas. So, you know, still reason to buy gifts. There's always reasons to buy gifts. Uh, and remember, spend a few dollars more, get a soft style, feel nice on your giblets. All right, back to it. We are now into our top five, which is really like a menagerie of movies as all the skipped ones get pushed up as well. Tony. Give us your number five. Kick us off in style, sir. My number five is a holiday classic uh, war between two neighbors in the movie Deck the Halls. Uh, Danny DeVito, Matthew Broderick. um, I'm trying to remember. uh, Kristen Davis, right, is one of the wives. Um, There's some other really good actors in there, but just Danny DeVito and the depths he goes to to try and win this rivalry between him and Matthew Broderick. It's like the it's like the good angel versus the bad angel in this battle of neighbors to see whose house can have more Christmas light. Like Danny DeVito's line in it is he wants his house to be able to be seen from outer space. That's how many Christmas lights he wants. So while he kind of takes the low road, Matthew Broderick tries to take the high road and there's just some really fun dynamic between each of the couples as well. And for me, it's one of my favorite holiday uh, movies and it didn't come along, I think till like the mid two thousands. So absolutely love deck the halls. Very cool. Very cool. You know, there, there is something about those like houses that will, that will try to rival one another with the best 
decorations. You know, we talked about Tim Allen earlier. One of my favorite runs of home improvement is is Tim, the tool man Taylor, trying to get the best win win best display and always losing. So I love that show too. Yeah. I mean, uh <laughs> it it's that neighbor dynamic though for these two guys fighting. Because I think everybody has a neighborhood like near where oh, they yeah. live a suburb that or a street or whatever that like by us, it's called candy cane lane. It's like six blocks and 90% of the houses in those blocks, they put lights on, they, they go out of their way. And the coolest thing about it too, is um, the peak time, the two weeks before Christmas, there's people out there from pick a foundation for, you know, helping other people collecting money and, and doing well for charity on top of it. So it really embodies Christmas to me because I remember growing up and driving after going to church Christmas Eve, we'd go through all the neighborhoods and look at the Christmas lights as kids. So love that. Very cool. Very cool. Excellent. All right. Well, my next li- uh, next uh, choice on the list, my number five is the uh, second of my five or four films made before 1955. This one is the Irving Berlin classic White Christmas starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Allen. Uh, this one is the first film that I watch every holiday season, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, I always get kind of conflicted about this movie because I enjoy it. It's another like sort of schmaltzy holiday film. However, uh, it also does have a complete musical number reminiscing and missing the days of minstrel shows. And that's uh, it's kind of fucked up. And you just got to kind of understand that it's fucked up and be like, skip, skip that song. It's not a necessary song. Uh, I also love the one of my favorite things about it though is that it was also showing Irving Berlin's age because he wrote an entire musical number being pissed off of what had happened to the theater. Uh, he did not understand things like choreography and why it was so important to modern Broadway for the time, 1954, by the way, being what he what he was angry about. Uh, there's also a lot of iconic and influential scenes that that come from this movie that people don't recognize. Uh, Rosemary Clooney, for example, does a routine that if you look, you can clearly see where Gentlemen Prefer Blondes was influenced, as well as Madonna later in her Material Girl uh, video uh, with Rosemary Clooney in a pink dress surrounded by men in tuxedos. Uh, A lot of people think that that they were kind of mutually exclusive. Uh, Also, White Christmas, not the film where the song White Christmas first appeared or was written for. So we'll learn a little bit more about that later on in my list. That's my number five, Mr. Ungar, unless you have comments. No, not about that. That, that, that is all your wheelhouse, my friend. Fair enough. Very true. Uh, Watch old movies, guys. Watch some old movies. Yeah, got to do that. Um, so Tony mentioned it earlier how A Christmas Carol has been retold in many, many, many different formats. My number five is my favorite telling of that, and it's Scrooge. Patrick already knew. My my actually my favorite telling of Christmas Carol was is is um a, as a play. I've seen it at, at the Paps Theater here, the famous Paps Theater in Milwaukee, and like that is a play with set changes, and you know you kind of you can feel the actor more that's playing uh, all these iconic characters. But yeah, it's just a great story. Sorry, we'll get to Bill Bill Murray soon. We will. Uh, but for now, we'll get to DJ. No, yeah, DJ, your number five. My number five is A Christmas Story. 
Um, again, we talked a couple minutes ago and we'll continue <laughs> no, this discussion right. down the road. But let me just put everybody it's out of Dave's the misery one. right now. Dave's number one is a Christmas story. Like, we won't talk about a Christmas story until the end of the program. My number two uh, is the gap, but not enough. So, PC Tuddy, you're number five. Or no, DJ, you're number four. My number four, Rankin and Bass makes the list one more time with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, being a kid who got picked on a bit because I was a runt, I was a small kid, um, very shy, uh, The that aspect of this resonated with me at the time. You know, I was always picked last for the, for the kickball, for the whatever team sports, things like that. Um, so this movie just kind of touched me in that particular way. And then just, again, another one of those things where – my family didn't do a lot of stuff, but that was one of the times where we all gathered around because usually we had one TV in the house. And when dad was ready to watch TV, all the kids had to scatter. And this was one of those times where the whole family would gather around and watch TV together. Watch this with my mom every damn year right there with the Charlie Brown Christmas and so many other ones like my childhood. Uh, yeah, like um, the Rankin and Bass stuff. I, I didn't have it on my list because I know we had – my when we did the family films kind of from this same sort of era or genre um all those movies were really heavy on there but that doesn't mean like yeah growing up that rudolph the red nose reindeer santa claus is coming to town um you know geez those movies were a staple it is back in you know every year you would as a kid you're looking forward to christmas coming because they only showed these movies once a year and you didn't have streaming and you didn't have videotapes you could only see this stuff once a year and it, rudolph was appointment viewing for any kid back in the day so yeah that's that's a great call man and with that we'll move on further into our list and our rundowns and dave it's your number four sir i strongly suspect we will not be talking about this because it is home alone yeah i th i and i think that's tunny's number one but we will see so just uh reading the room here a little bit we may be holding off a little bit uh because my number four is uh scrooged so I don't know if that's at the same point on your list or... Oh, you don't have it on yours? Oh, I thought when you said we'll talk about Bill Murray later. Because um, I knew you had it higher than Dave. Got you, got you, got you. Well, um, yeah. So there are times when filmmakers try to remake a movie or a work and try to, to do a modern spin or take on that work and it fails. And this is not one of those films and in so many different ways. And there's so many different ways that I just, I love it to death in the way that it does what it does. Um, particularly for me, um, taking the Scrooge character and instead of making him a money lender, making him a, a network executive on a television show who's, who's driven by ratings and is driven by profit margins from ad revenues and driving people uh, in that way was such a, a perfect take on the 80s and, and and where we were in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And I will say this till I blew in the face when it comes to chemistry on screen. Very rarely in my lifetime have I seen chemistry between two actors like that, which we see between Bill Murray and Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present. It is 15 minutes tops of just two actors trying to one up each other and pushing each other to do amazing shit on screen. It's a, it's a great, great film. You get to see Karen Allen. Anytime we can talk about Karen Allen on a uh, bandwagon nerds, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do that too. Phenomenal, phenomenal work. Excellent. Excellent. Number five, 
my number four. Dave, take it away. Slap me in the face, but you kicked me in the... <laughs> so, yeah, that, that scene between them is just tremendous. Um, Bobcat Goldthwait, you know, he kind of uh, is an under underappreciated hero of this movie as well. Um, but yeah, it's such a great retelling of this classic story and, and modernizing it. But it's, you know, it still holds up pretty well. You know, to this day, I keep I watch it every year um, and it's the the story, the moral, the uh, the the whole point of the whole thing is right there. And, you know, it has it. it's just it's everything you want in a Christmas Carol retelling without any of the stuff that really drags down some of the remakes. So yeah. And Bill Murray is just uh, the, one of his better roles. I think 1000%, 1000%, one of the best ever. Um, any last thoughts, fellas, before we move on to Tony and his number four. All right, oh. Mr. Tony, the floor is yours. Uh, my number four, the 1996 Arnold Schwarzenegger Sinbad classic jingle all the way uh arnold schwarzenegger is like the the dad and husband that works too much and promises kid uh i think it's turbo man and by the end of the movie arnold schwarzenegger basically turns into turbo man to try and get him this toy he's like floating through the parade as turbo man in the city and impresses his kid gets the toy yeah i just remember watching this in the theater thinking uh it was just a fun movie it was like arnold schwarzenegger is doing a christmas movie with sinbad what and uh, it, it turned out to just hit with a lot of people and resonate that, you know, it, it makes more time for your family around the holidays, I guess. Secret weapon of that movie, Phil Harmon. Yeah, he's really good in there, too. As the, as the shitty single dad neighbor who's like hitting on all the moms, uh, including Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife, mm-hmm. played by big, Rita Wilson. Big shows in that movie as well. He is as the uh, as one of the Santas that is yep. uh, bootlegging Turbo Men. <laughs> Yo, it's great great it's such a great it's a great great movie i i love it love it to death it's a good choice um actually so well three. if you would like we're into our top three we're into the top three holiday films of all time according to band of nerds easy study uh this is a movie that patrick loves so much he didn't even put it on his list um it is the will ferrell classic elf it's uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go step away I'm going to step away for a second and use the restroom unless it's higher on. It's my number three as well. All right. I'll be. I, I enjoy the character. Will Ferrell plays. You have Bob Newhart as his dad and what he has to break it to him that he's not an elf. Um, You know, there's one thing that was shot that was left out of this movie that a lot of people don't know. There was supposed to be a hockey game between with uh, elf and all the uh, like claymation, uh, characters of the forest before he leaves to go to new york but scott Kahn as his father who finally comes around at the end james Kahn. Uh, james Kahn, sorry scott Kahn is his kid um and then peter dinklage is in this movie um as as like the the angry um angry author elf yeah yes yes My, miles and, miles finch right yes zoe de chanel is in here she is just excellent as is basically you know the the love interest and everything else and and her the interaction in the mall too at the store uh santa's coming and him decorating the mall Uh, i think the first time i saw him eat spaghetti with the syrup and the m&ms mixed into it we all just lost our shit the giant belch at dinner um the fact that he takes their uh their what was it their rocking chair or their coffee table and turns it into like a rocking horse present overnight just the whole dynamic of the fact that like a human would be raised by elves and then have to come back to civilization it was just a super fun time i think the only other 
part I'll mention, and I'll kick it over to you, Dave, is when he's got all the uh, everybody dancing in the mailroom. Yeah. It's, it's just a classic scene as well. I got these great ideas, buddy. Nobody listens to me. Uh, yeah. you know, so I think Elf actually jumped over Home Alone since we did this list previously. Um, but, You're not Santa. You sit on a throne of lies. That's right. Um, and I think it's mostly because it's been on a lot more this holiday season than Home Alone has. You know, they did like a whole Elf marathon. Yeah, I just every the more I watch it, the more I like it. And I just think, you know, there's there's the whole spirit of Christmas is involved in that. The fucking sled won't fly unless the spirit of Christmas is going on. So you've got that. Will Ferrell is is excellent in this movie. There's a lot of funny stuff. His machine gun snowballing of the bullies in Central Park is <laughs> fucking tremendous. So, yeah, I it's one of those movies that keeps going up on my list every year. He walks into that coffee shop on the outside. The side says world's greatest coffee. He walks in and he looks at it and he goes, congratulations, you did it. Yeah. And then he takes her on the date and she's like, it tastes like a crappy cup of coffee. No, it's the world's best cup of coffee. He eats all the gum off the subway railings. Jesus. You know, they're doing this intentionally, Patrick. No, we just love the Here's movie. the thing is, he I actually, the it's funny because for someone like me and, and you, DJ, who enjoy Rankin and Bass like holiday specials, the fact that we can't stand or don't care for Elf like at all is is really kind of funny. It just it's never I've... resonated with me. It's You're never right. resonated. Don't with care me. for yeah. Will Ferrell. I just yeah. I never have. I like him in certain things when he's not the star, but the fact that he was the star just did not sell me. DJ, you know he's in, you know he's in Rebel Moon, right? I mean that's gonna color your your feelings about. It. Yeah, but he's not the star. He's not in He's not the star, and as long as he dies in the first 20 minutes, I'm good. Patrick, you might have missed me saying there's on the cutting room floor, there's a hockey game between um, Will Ferrell and all like the Rankin and Bass characters before he leaves to go to New York. So I feel I like think, you would have. I think I saw that in the. Um, you would have liked spend, that. Uh, the, the movies that made us holiday edition. I feel like they talked about mm-hmm. that in the episode they did on Elf. All right. So that's uh, number three for you, correct? Yes, sir. And for me as so well. That brings it to me. Uh, my number three is Christmas Vacation. Still higher on Dave's list, so we will move to Dave for his number three. My three was Elf as well, or, so it's to DJ. Oh, your number. So it's to DJ and his number three. Yeah, my my top three got hard because there were a bunch of movies that got left off the list because of these three. Um, number three is the original animated Grinch. I just love that. That's probably that was a real fight for me in where I wanted to place that in the top three. Um, just iconic music, iconic voice acting, just a lot of fun. And, and to me, I I have yet to see it be recreated with the same magic. And yes, that includes Jim Carrey's Grinch. Well, the Jim animated, Carrey's Grinch is trash. It, it, just the animated version, though, is just so iconic and classic, right? It and is. You talk about the voice work, and you can truly dive into those voices. You You're not affected by... Uh, an actor's portrayal of it because you're getting the true telling of, of what they wanted to do there. Cause you can just draw in the animation however you like. But yeah, I mean, when, when his heart grows five sizes, it just tears me up every time. Can I, um, can I share, by the way, I don't hate the illumination full length film that came out a couple years ago. And maybe it's cause the little O'Dowd who the Grinch is his guy, by the way, Grinch is his guy. Um, uh, he really likes the Illumination animated film as well. It doesn't replace the original. Uh, and in fact, we read How the Grinch Stole Christmas every once in a while, even to this day. But because um, we have all those, we have that Dr. Seuss book. But uh, not a terrible film. 
Not the best, but not a terrible film. So that's uh, that was your number three? That was my number three. So now it's to your number two, DJ. Number two, Charlie Brown's Christmas. Um, absolutely love that. I love this one um, mainly because I was a big fan of Charlie Brown. The little, I don't know if you guys ever watched any of the Charlie Brown cartoons in the 80s. They had the one where Charlie Brown went to camp and had like all the, the camp things. But I just, I hold loved. up, hold up. Did any of us watch the Charlie Brown cartoons? Well, like, what podcast are you on, sir? <laughs> this is only like my 11th time on here, so I'm still getting to know you guys. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and more importantly, I like the moral message at the end of the whole thing. You know, because Christmas does become so commercialized and everybody's focused on the gifts and the buying and the spending. And and we forget sometimes that it's really about just being together and spending time with one another, whether it's friends, whether it's loved ones. And that itty bitty little Christmas tree. Funny story about that. Years ago, I had a guy I was roommates with. I was real close with his family and everything. His mom bought us a Christmas tree one year, and I swear to you, it was literally the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Like, we made a huge joke about it with her because it was literally like a stick with a couple of sparse branches, and we put one ornament on the damn thing. I, for the longest time, the my mom, one of her things is she always is she would buy people Hallmark ornaments, and I would get a different Peanuts gang ornament, um, and many of them are around, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Uh, I actually have one. It's it's a book. It's an ornament, but it's a book that has the entire Christmas special with pages you can read. And when you hit a button on it, it plays the end where it, they say Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, and play the music. So I uh, I love it. My wife hates it because it makes too much noise, but uh, she doesn't mind the special. All right, Dave, you're number two. Finally going to get to talk about some stuff. Let's talk about Christmas Vacation. So, um... My number two is, of course, you know, one of the, I mean, this, this thing's, and it did actually close the gap between this and my number one considerably this year. Not enough to overtake it, but um, they've been showing it nonstop this Christmas season. So I've watched it probably like five times. And it's another one of those movies that keeps getting better the more I watch it. And Chevy Chase is phenomenal. Beverly D'Angelo is phenomenal. Uh, just, you know, Everything about it and Randy Quaid is Eddie and just what can you say about this movie that it's just it's just good old Clark wanting to have a good old fashioned family Christmas and all the trials and tribulations he goes through. You know, you guys talking about neighbors competing to have the best house, the most lit house and ain't no house lit as much as a Griswold house is in, in this movie <laughs> that you could see it from space. It requires nuclear reactors to go on backup just to, you know, keep the power grid from collapsing. Um Julia Lewis Dreyfus as you know Margot and and you know why is the floor wet Todd I don't know Margot you know it's just there's so many great things about the movie I just absolutely love this thing the jelly of the month club the the two rants that Chevy Chase doesn't know Pat when we did this a few years ago you had one of the two rants on uh you had played it for us and left the other one out but I can't say enough about this movie it's just absolutely one of my favorites the thing that has always been the appeal about the vacation films when they're done right is everything going wrong for Clark. Like Clark tries so hard and everything just goes wrong until the end when it finally shit goes his way. From the original vacation, European vacation, Vegas vacation to Christmas vacation. Poor Clark just trying so damn hard and nothing going right it's 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 something that 
anybody can identify with. Everybody's had that experience where they're trying to do like they're trying to plan a thing and everything goes wrong. And it's infinitely relatable to an audience, which is why I think that franchise was so successful and why attempts to redo it have failed because it hasn't quite been the same. And part of that is in Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo's ability to deliver that in in the film. Because those two are what matters. You know, Russ is a different kid. You know, Russ and um, what's the daughter's name? Audrey. Audrey. Russ and Audrey, just a different name, different name, different actor every damn time. Uh, Cousin Eddie, you know, you need Cousin Eddie. Uh, it's but it, but it, at its core, it's it's Chevy and Beverly. Uh, just try to just try to do do right, and that's that's a beautiful thing. It's one of the greatest movie for one-liners of all time. Hallelujah. Oh, Holy shit. Where's the tile and all? Hey, kids, look, a deer. You know, looks great. A little full, a lot of sap. Sorry, this is our family's first kidnapping. You know, shit like that. Shitter, shitter's full. What is, what is it? What is shitter's that? Your reservation of, yeah, shitter's full. Shitter's what is that? Full. Say, your reservation of the nut house? <laughs> I wouldn't mean, be wonder if you got any hooter. Yeah. <laughs> just, in a, just a great, a great writing. Out. Did I say oh. nipple? Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And. So yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go from that. Speaking that? of the different kids, though, to play Rusty, uh, Christmas Vacation was none other than of Big Bang Theory fame. Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki. Anthony Michael Hall was the original Russ. Yep. Yep. Uh, back in the day. So, um, all right. My number two, the third of my four movies made before 1955. This time we are going all the way back to 1942. For the Irving Berlin classic Holiday Inn, starring Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, uh, opposite Marjorie Reynolds and Virginia Dale. The story of Jim Hardy, a entertainer who has gotten tired of the grind and wants to move out and live on a farm until he realizes how damn hard it is to live on a farm. And so he turns his farm into an inn that only operates 13 days out of the year, open holidays only. And this film is not entirely a Christmas film. It is a, it is a holiday film. And Irving Berlin wrote tunes that were specific to the various holidays that were ce- celebrated, but it is bookended by Christmas. And White Christmas first gained its real fame from Bing singing it uh, on records this would be the first time it would appear in film. Uh, but there are so many just amazing sequences and, and just some talent from these actors from this era that are mind blowing. And, and, you know, Bing's singing voice and all the talent that he has, uh, the song Easter Bonnet is a very famous one from Irving Irving Berlin. It's on there. Um, be careful. It's my heart is wonderful. And then Fred Astaire you know, there's tons of iconic dance routines that Fred Astaire ever did. For my money, the greatest one you will ever see is the 4th of July routine from Holiday Inn, in which he is dancing. And and again, this is just what they would do with practical effects back then to have him choreograph a tap dance that is also synced up with fireworks exploding, with him throwing uh, pop caps around. It's it's a sight to behold and the man's talent knew no boundaries. And, and it's really what's great. And, and at the beginning of the law, it's a love story uh, that is told in front of a Christmas tree when it comes to its conclusion. So my number two 
is Holiday Inn. Also has a really racist black-faced Abraham Lincoln song, but we won't talk about that. Let's talk about White Christmas and how beautiful it is. 1942, different time. Favorite Christmas movie, Blackface Christmas. Sec- second favorite Christmas movie. Thank you, sir. Number two. And I don't exactly watch that scene. Skip. Skip Pat. Skip. Dave. What? I already did my two, number man. two. It's Tony's turn. It's Tony's, Tony's turn. turn. Well, Three. I'm skipping Tony. Oh, then it's Three. just my number one. Fuck, Fuck Tony. Uh, my, number my, number two. Two. my number two is Dave's number one. Okay. So your number one is? My number one is Home Alone. You know that one with that kid who runs around and he goes all crazy. I I just I I can watch it over and over and over again. I've already watched it this holiday season. Um, it has everything really. It has some suspense to it. It has the family. It has the comedy. It has action. Um, you know, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci are the ultimate bad guys here. Catherine O'Hara is is excellent as the mother. Um, she recently joined Macaulay Culkin as he got his uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, Kieran Culkin of of succession success lately is is the younger brother who what's what's the bed um just the chaos of going on a family holiday vacation um and everything that ensues from that and i think one of the things we forget about is john candy is in this movie and it's because of his second city relationship with Catherine o'hara and all of his scenes were shot in one day and they were all ad-libbed and the fact that he's like yeah yeah you want to you want to Hit your ride with a bunch of polka bums. You ever heard of us? The Kenosha kickers, you know, polka, 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 um, just, just classic scenes there. So, uh, and the last thing I'll say about this, as far as holiday experiences go and, and real life imitating art at the Plaza hotel in New York, much like home alone Two, they have parts of those experience you can do and take the full tour and see all the things you can order the Sunday with all the things that Kevin had on the Sunday as well. So, uh, just kind of a really cool life imitating art there for the holidays that experience you can get at the Plaza Hotel. Excellent choice. Wonderful, wonderful film. Of course, the, the thing that always blew my mind. Also, you could see why Chris Columbus was picked to then direct the first two Harry Potter movies, because his work on films like this really sort of paved the way for, for that. Uh, but Chris Columbus set out to make a a, a a live action cartoon in that scene with the house. And that is the thing that I've, I've always thoroughly enjoyed is that it's ridiculous over the top Looney Tunes style action in, in a live action film. And, you know, whether it's Joe Pesci, who Chris Columbus had to talk to about how to not swear, uh, which is why he's like Razzle Frackin, Razzle Frackin, because it was it was trying to figure out how to not have him do his good fellow stuff. Um, it's yeah, it's a good choice. It's an excellent number one. Uh, and it, I haven't watched it yet. It's on the list of ones that I watch, but it, it gets it gets watched later, closer to the actual holiday. So that tells you kind of where it is for me a lot of times. Yeah, it was number four on my list, and it's uh, it's a tremendous movie. I, I mean, yeah, Kevin versus Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern is the tarantula. That that part where he drops it on his face and just the guttural scream that comes out of him when he does that is. Uh, I mean, high pitched and and terrified all. I mean, it's it's one of those one of those moments. And um, yeah, great movie all the way around. Yeah. He's standing over him with the frickin uh, tire iron. Don't move, Marv. Don't move. <laughs> Hiya, pal. All right. We're to my number one. You're yes, up. Sir. I talked I talked about this earlier. Every year I have this list. 
White Christmas is always the first film I watch to start the holiday season the day after Thanksgiving. Christmas night, after everything's done, I will pour myself a healthy pour from a 12-year-old to 16-year-old Belvenie scotch. Neat. I will sit down like an old man and I will pop in the 1951 British version of A Christmas Carol starring Sir Alastair Sim. There are a lot of versions of A Christmas Carol out there that people enjoy that are straight interpretations from the Dickens classic. And this is my favorite. And it's not it is not even close. Uh, it is as somebody who uh, was very close to his mom. My mom used to watch this all the time. Our local one of our local television stations used to air this Christmas Eve to Christmas morning to time it where midnight would happen as Scrooge woke up on Christmas Day. I I can't I can't not watch this this film. Um uh, it's the most true to the gothic nature of the Dickens novel, which is why I appreciate it. There's nothing colorful at all in this film. Even in black and white you can just tell that it is meant to be dark and brooding. Um and Yet still finds a place for humor here and there throughout throughout the movie. Uh, my my favorite line comes after after he's woken up and he's celebrating. He's scaring his housekeeper, and he finally he comes up to her and he's like, you know, I want to give this to you as a Christmas present. And she's like, for me. And she looks at him and she's like, what for? And he's like, why do you think? And she looks back at him and says, to keep my mouth shut because. It, and the way she delivers it is is just brilliant and hilarious. Um, I, it's old and it's cheesy. It's it's my number one Christmas film of all time and will be until I probably die holding that scotch watching A Christmas Carol. So that's my number one. Wow, there's a dark imagery. For I know. I, eh, I will have died happy if I die with a scotch in my hand. Watching A Christmas Carol. Watching Sounds like a, a noble Christmas death. Carol. I could think of a lot of death. worse ways to go. That's true. So, Dave... Are you ready to talk about a Christmas story? Let's talk about a Christmas story. It is it is still, in my opinion, the greatest Christmas movie of all time. And it's just that's not going anywhere anytime soon unless something remarkable happens. Um, The story of Ralphie Parker getting his uh, Red Ryder BB gun with a compass in the stock. This was Tony's number two. He's wearing the shirt with the pink nightmare. Ralphie, Peter Billingsley. Jeez, uh, I mean, you know. I think like this movie was the first one to do the marathon, like the 24 hours of a Christmas story. Now everybody's copying it. You got 24 hours of elf. You got 24 hours of, uh, of Christmas vacation, but this is still the only one I know that is doing it 24 hours starting Christmas Eve to, you know, 24 hours later. Um, it's, it's just, it's a tremendous story in, in every front. You know, I, I can't, I can't say anything else about it. It introduced us to Chinese turkey, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, the bumpus hounds talk about things going wrong and, and kind of a coming of age in this movie as, as you get to see Ralphie's progression. So it's not just about the BB gun. It's about other things. And I honestly thought about putting a Christmas story, Christmas, the true sequel to this on the list, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to bump anything for that. I love that movie as well as, as a very spiritual successor to the first one, but Tony, I'll turn it over to you to talk about Christmas story and, and why it's your number two. Uh, it's, it's a major award, by the way. 
Um, That's right. Just for Must be Italian. <laughs> yeah. As a former parcel delivery person for one of the major companies, um, I used to say for fragile was French for kick me. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> I, I just really in, enjoy this movie. Uh, the, the, the interaction between uh, Ralphie and his brother and the bullies, um, the kid licking the post and getting it stuck, you know, they're in school. Um, yeah. You already, Oh, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. The disappointment of decoding that like, and then of course, like I'm wearing the shirt, the, the you go put your pink bunny suit on, you know what I mean? And it's just, it is, it was the first one I can remember before streaming, you know, before having this catalog of digital entertainment that you could choose from instantly, TBS would have it on for 24 hours during Christmas. And you'd always find a way to catch your favorite parts, uh, whatever it was. You know, I talked about when we talked about 8-Bit Christmas, how there's just more that speaks to me and that I relate to in that film. There is one moment in particular in this movie, though, that every time I laugh because I remember similar actions being done by my mother. And that is after Ralphie has said, oh, fuck, and knows he cannot out his father as being the one that he learned the word from. So he... He lies and says it's one of his friends and mom calls the other kids mom and you hear him being you just hear the kid being waylaid in the background. And that was such the network of parents back in the day. Your son did this and they would get after each other. That that would not happen now. Now everybody's kid is a perfect angel and we don't we don't get that. We don't get that outing. But no, man, that that kills me. When you and I were kids, Patrick, you, you got whooped by someone else's parents. You deserved it. That they and Sometimes, your parents, yeah. Your parents My dad apologized. Gave people carte blanche. Hey, if he's at your yeah. house and he, and he fucks up, right. whoop his ass, and then I'll whoop him when he gets home. And when your parents found out that another set of parents had whooped your ass, they apologized to them for your actions and thanked them for doing it. Yep. And that edition of Get Off My Lawn was brought to you by Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon <laughs> Nerds is part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com and prowrestlingtees.com for slash the chairshot. All right. No pressure, DJ, but you have the final number one selection of this year's holiday project. So if it's bad, we're going to mute you and just end the show. Well, my hope is that it's not bad because it is a version of the Christmas Carol. It is the George C. Scott version. As my absolute favorite version. I love his portrayal of Scrooge in this. Not quite miserly, a bit more um, cynical in, in life and his um, understanding and his um, just the way he is with his family. I, I love the costuming in this. Again, a bit gothic, probably not quite as, as gothic a feel as your version, but being that it is colorized, you get you know that, that gothic feel, the old England. It feels authentic. Um, I thought the acting in this was top notch and it's just my, it's my feel good holiday movie. Actually, I have nothing against, just to be clear, I have nothing against the, uh, the, the George C. Scott or other versions. This is just for me, it's the definitive version of a Christmas Carol. Like I, I just, I can't like, I'm, I'm just glad you didn't pick that God awful musical version. There's like a musical out there. Who's your guy? Who's the actor in yours, Patrick, sir? Who? His name is Alistair Sim. Okay, so from Alistair Sim to George C. Scott to Gonzo, we all love Christmas Carol. That's true. Um, we get Bill Murray. And, and Bill Murray. And yeah. Bill Murray, yeah. Like, every one of us had an, a version of A Christmas Carol on our list somewhere. So, that's a, I mean, that just tells you how influential 
that that film that not that film that work that work of literature is like that that that's well, what's the, out the there. Moral so. behind the whole thing is it, re- it it has to resonate with most people. You have to think that that's it right. Does. Cool. All right. Well, and on that note, we are going to bring the holiday project to a close this year. Well done, gentlemen, with your lists. This is our holiday episode. So rather than do a go around and tell everybody how to find you and follow you, I just want to wish you guys a happy Christmas. Uh, I hope that you've had a wonderful holiday if it is one that you celebrate. And listeners, thank you for making us a part of your holiday if you chose to do so. Uh, we really do love doing this, and you know, just uh, I'm thrilled that we get to do stuff like this. I'm thrilled. I'm already thinking about next year's holiday project when I make you all pick out holiday music, like that we're gonna do tunes next year because we have definitely not touched holiday music as part of this project at all, and, and I, I can't wait for that. I see Tony's excitement just brimming from his facial expressions. You guys already know um, my number one's gonna I can start be. playing it right now if you want me to. Yeah, play my number one right now, Tony. Don't don't be don't be don't be screwing me up with Whamageddon, man. I don't need that right now. Okay, I'm I'm dodging last Christmas really really well. So, uh, so that's it. No no fancy follow us. Uh, no fancy anything like that. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, that's going to do it for the holiday project here on this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, spend some time with your families, enjoy those holidays, and we will catch you next week for the first episode of our end of the year awards. Looking forward to it. This has been Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. So I stand with the dead smile on my face, wondering how much of my time they'll waste. Oh God, I hate these Satan's helpers. And then I guess I must have snapped because I grabbed the baseball bat and made them all run for shelter. It's Christmas time. late sir what do you mean by coming in here at this time of day hmm? i'm very sorry sir i am behind my time sir hmm. you are indeed step this way mr cratchit please it's only once a year sir it won't be repeated i was making rather merry yesterday sir <laughs> i'm sure you were well, we won't beat about the bush, my friend. I'm not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. Which leaves me no alternative but to raise your salary. <laughs> I haven't taken leave of my senses, Bob. I've come to them. 
From now on, I want to try to help you to raise that family of yours. If you'll let me. <laughs> well, anyway, well, we'll talk it over later, Bob, over a, over a bowl of hot punch. Hmm? <laughs> well, meanwhile, you, you just go and put some more coal in that fire. And you go straight out and buy a new coal scuttle. Isn't you do that before you dot another I, Bob Cratchit? <laughs> I don't deserve to be so happy. Spirits did it all in one night. Well, they can do anything they like. Of course they can. Um, hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Do you know the poulterers in the next street but one uh, on the corner? I should hope I did. Intelligent boy, remarkable boy. Um, do you know if they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging there? What, the one as big as me? <laughs> Delightful boy. <laughs> Pleasure talking to you. <laughs> the one as big as you. It's hanging there now. Well, go and buy it. Yes, go and buy it and bring them round so that I may tell them where to deliver it. Come back with the man, I'll give you a shilling. Come back in less than five minutes, I'll give you half a crown. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. I must stress myself. So much to do. I don't want to lose any time. I, I was light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. <laughs> As a drunken man. <laughs> Merry Christmas to everybody and a happy new year to the world! <laughs> Son of a bitch. I 
went out to face the world again. Wiser. One. Two. Three. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.